It's week one. Let's go. We made it. Let's go. We made it. Finally. People, we survived the summer. Um, We're here. It's September. It's it's football. But what I didn't think I was going to have is I was going to have a pirate join me on our (laughs) podcast today. Um, I'm a bit intimidated. Uh, Bets, why don't you tell the people what I'm staring at right now? (laughs) It's not it's not good. I'll just tell people that. Uh, about a half hour before Kyle and I started recording, I was washing my hands, and you know how like the end of like disposable soap containers, like the the tip, like has like a buildup of like the like hardened soap. That happened. I pressed down on it, and it just honestly like a rocket right into my left eye. <laughs> it's so red; it hurts so bad. I can barely see out of my left eye. So if I'm blinking a lot, Kyle, during the recording. Uh, I apologize. You asked me to get a, an eye patch. I looked for one. I honestly did. I asked my wife. I was like, we need to find an eye patch before I start recording this show with Kyle. Uh, I could not find one. However, I'm here. I might not be able to see, but man, I'm excited to listen to you talk about DFS in week one, and I'm excited to talk about it too, man. No, we just need your sweet, sweet, dulcet tones. Um, we just need to hear you. And um, yeah, I didn't know that I'd be podcasting with a pirate. What Brian didn't tell you was that those were not real pirates. <laughs> they looked convincing, though. Did you? Okay, how long did it take you to find that? <laughs> uh, like, literally 10 seconds. That's I had impressive. to throw in the fact that um, there, you're not a real pirate, but uh, for, for this DFS show, I'm excited that you're with me, and we're going to go through the main slate. We're going to talk about week one, what it looks like to actually break down those matchups. So we're going to pick five of the main games that we need to stack we're going to do a new segment of DFS Battle Royale where Bets and Borg, we get to take on each other and uh, in a fun little uh, challenge each week. And we'll kind of look back each week, kind of look at our record and see who's on top. I will also have a couple of mailbag questions at the end. And yeah, I'm just excited that when this comes out on Friday, we'll have already been able to watch the Thursday night game. And I'm just, I'm just pumped. We're playing in a couple of tournaments. A lot of you guys joined us for our 100-man tournament for the Thursday night game. And the quick question I had for us is, can you just name a few specific tournaments you'll be playing in um, and how many entries are in those tournaments? So on DK, FanDuel, what are the tournaments that you're playing in this weekend? Yeah, the one I like a lot on DraftKings is the 250,000 first down uh, contest. There's 20 entry max. It's only a dollar to enter. And the reason that I really want to target that one right now, specifically as of the, as of this recording is there is just so much overlay in that contest. And for our listeners that aren't aware of what that means, basically when these tournaments are developed by either DraftKings or FanDuel, they, they set the number of entries that are allowed. They set the number that you're allowed to put in, how much is going to be paid out. And it doesn't change regardless of if there's 10 entrants or 10,000 entrants. And so sometimes you just get these contests that don't actually fill. This is one that's looking like it probably won't fill. And I'm super excited. I entered all 20 uh, in that contest. And hopefully we can get a little edge there if people aren't in the in the contest. And on FanDuel, I want to target um, the $100,000 Sunday NFL snap. Again, 20 entries. It's $3 to enter. The exact same reason. Lots of overlay there. We should be able to have a pretty good edge on our opponents in those two contests. 
Yeah, overlay is something that if you're not familiar, it's a big deal in terms of what tournaments you can enter. And this week one is one where these companies are trying to get people to play DFS, especially if it's your very first time. And so you get a lot of casual people just throwing money out there. The the famous Millie Maker, usually it's $20 or $25 entry. Right now it's only $5 for for this first week and so that's the one i want to throw out there um it needs 1.2 million entries and i'm just going to tell you right now that's not going to completely fill and so at five dollars this is the cheapest you will be able to win a millie maker (laughs) not that you have the best chance but um for those of you that usually shy away from those because you're throwing 25 dollars down the drain you can't compete with people that are putting in 3k each week this is an awesome chance to say, you know what, $5, I'll put in 10 to 20 lineups and have a shot this week. And I'm not down that much. So yeah, I'm, I've already got a couple of entries there. And then one that I love that's super cheap. Uh, this is one of my tips for people is if you want to learn how to construct lineups and use our uh, lineup generator, our optimizer, FanDuel and DraftKings have some great tournaments on FanDuel, the 33,000 Sunday NFL pooch punt which I just wanted to be able to say the, that phrase, pooch punt, obviously, um, is only a nickel per entry. And so you can hit the 150 max on that one and you're not out a ton of cash. So um, I, that's the one that I will be doing 150 lineups on. I'll have my kind of tournament pool and I'll use the optimizer. And it's fun because some of those lineups are straight trash, but it gives me a chance to compete. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm just excited to compete against. I want to compete against you. Let's Honestly. do it. We'll, we'll do it at the end of the show. <laughs> That's true. We are going to duke it out on this show. And like I said earlier, um, I didn't think I was going to fight a pirate today. Uh, <laughs> on our website, we have a number of articles that just hit for our DFS pass. I got to put up some first look pricing and a pace of play. And you put up a Vegas report, Thursday night football preview. And then also this week coming out is Rob Waziak, who's awesome, is top rankings almost every year in DFS. He put out his DraftKings picks. Ben Cummins just put out his FanDuel picks. We have a ton of content for our DFS pass right now. You can go online and order it uh, and and get the DFS pass for $59.99. Or if you're one of those people that got the UDK, you can actually upgrade at an even smaller cost for just 30 bucks. So go online, DFS pass. We're going to be talking about every single week because it's something that we put our time and our energy into. And we think it's a really great tool to uh, talk about. So anything else about your articles, DFS pass before we jump in? No, man, I think you hit on it there. I just want to give a shout out to the, the fellows, you know, at Waz NFL on Twitter and at Ben Cummins FF. Great follows, lots of, of little DFS nuggets that they put out there too. So check out their work in the DFS pass, but then also give those guys a follow on Twitter. State of the main slate. So when we're talking about the main slate, we're talking about a group of games that hit the one o'clock in Eastern and the four o'clock start times. Um, so about 12 games is what we're getting this week. Sometimes it'll be less during the buys, but um, the main slate is typically where the most amount of action will happen for DFS. And so we would rather take our time instead of explaining every single matchup. We want to look at which games in that main slate are the most important to stack and where there's some values. If you want to look at every single matchup, we do that on the fantasy footballers podcast on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, and I love that. I love this part of the week because we go from just theory to what kind of plays are we going to put out there and where are we going to put our money behind it? So for me, I've built a couple of lineups, but 
when it hits Thursday and Friday is when I'm really starting to construct and build. And so I just want to give a couple of principles and bets. Feel free to throw one in there if you want. But uh, just there's a huge difference between playing on FanDuel and D- and DraftKings. And so when we talk about certain players as I'd prefer this guy on this site, it doesn't mean that they're a bad play on the other site. It just means that relative to the value and relative to the scoring, they're a much better play. And we, we bring up Matt Ryan all the time because he's a 300 yard guy waiting to happen. And on DraftKings, that's three extra points. That That's just huge. It's hard for him to make that up on FanDuel because he doesn't run. And so you just have to know the differences between these two. FanDuel, because it's half PPR and there's no bonuses, is so much more touchdown dependent. So you can't really get cute with some of your pass catchers, especially those running backs. Um, you know, like Tariq Cohen is not going to do near the same amount of damage on FanDuel as he does on DraftKings. So anything just to tell people before we get into those matchups? No, I think you hit on that pretty well there. And I, I just want to sp- you know speak to it too, kind of when you're constructing these rosters, and we're going to talk about it in these matchups and in the DFS pass, the guys highlight this. There's a reason that we include not just overall cash plays and overall GPP plays. There's a reason that we include them on DraftKings and FanDuel separately, because when you're building these lineups, you should treat them as such. Not, you know, we're not going to tell you a player that was like, oh, you got to start them on both sites. It really is specific because of how the pricing works out and where the value is. And again, in the DFS pass, all that's in there for you. But just a reminder to people, set these lineups on these two different sites differently. Do all your FanDuel, then either take a break and then come back or go again right over to DraftKings. So do those two separately. That's my advice. So this first matchup we're going to get into is one that you and I have been talking about, honestly, for weeks. And maybe you guys are sick of us talking about the Panthers. But uh, in week one, the Raiders go to Carolina and they're three and a half point road favorites. This game's a 47 and a half point uh, total. What's your initial read on this game? Who do you like? Yeah, this game I think is going to be fun uh, for fantasy because we have two atrocious defenses here and we have a team on, on both sides of the ball. Really, both teams will be up in pace and you're, you're going to talk about this in the pace of play article, I'm sure. But yeah, man, I, I want to target this game quite a bit. There's lots of good options on both sides of the ball. Uh, and then spoiler alert, I like the over 47 and a half. I think this is going to be a high flying affair and one that I think is going to be providing a lot of game stacks for us here with the Panthers and the Raiders. Yeah, I actually like the Panthers to cover uh, a three and a half, like a plus three and a half. Uh, and then there's just so many fun ways to attack this game. If you think that it's going to hit the over Teddy Bridgewater is someone we've talked about a lot. He's a great GPP play on DraftKings. If you want to stack him with any of those receivers, I obviously love Curtis Samuel. I think it's time to unleash him. The Panthers have said that they've actually kept things under wraps. They haven't really shown a lot to the public of what they're doing, but this is going to be an up-tempo offense. They were top five in pace last year. And the best thing is if you want Bridgewater and any of the receivers, then you can always run it back with Josh Jacobs. He's almost like a lock for me in cash games. Is, is he on your basically a lock for you? Yeah, both these running backs here, Josh Jacobs and CMC. If I'm constructing a, a cash game lineup, I mean, I almost always just go those two and what I've done so far in week one, the, the both just fantastic plays. I mean, this Carolina defense, if you remember last year, couldn't stop anyone on the ground. 26 in rush DVOA last season. Yeah, Josh Jacobs is going to smash this week. 
And if you want Darren Waller on on DraftKings, that's where he's going to be much more valuable with his points per reception. Uh, he's also got some touchdowns coming. Last year, he only had three despite having 90 receptions. So I love him there. Uh, and then in terms of defense, Carolina's a FanDuel only play. And a lot of times you can stack your running backs with your defense if you think the Panthers are going to get ahead. Uh, if you think that it's going to be a problem for the Raiders to travel across the country, uh, to play the Panthers. Um, I don't mind playing them and just stacking them with CMC. Uh, and in case we don't mention CMC that much during the show, play him. Yeah. <laughs> play him every week. He's worth every single penny. You look at $10,000 on both sites. Dude, that is, that's worth it. He, he really is worth his cost. He's, it's, it's crazy to say, I think he's underpriced at 10K on both sites. I mean, I put that in my first look, um, like overall first look at the entire slate of, of pricing that came out uh, two weeks ago. And I was like, CMC only 10K, which sounds crazy, but he was well above this multiple times last year. So yeah, if you're hesitant, like maybe that's too expensive. No, figure out a way to build around him. He's going to be fantastic in this game. And one last thing, Ian Thomas is a tight end. We've talked up a lot too on DK's 3,400 on Fandle. He's 5,100. He's a cheapie, um, but he picked up a turf toe injury. Any thoughts from you, Dr. Betts? Yeah, I mean, those are always tricky. They've come out and said that he is is not that big of a deal. He'll be okay. We don't really know, right? Because there's no preseason games to, to tell us the truth or training camp reports have just been so vague. So we need to kind of see like what happens uh, later in the week uh, in terms of his availability in practice. But I'm probably going to fade Ian Thomas this week just because of that reason. Those turf toe injuries can just be so, so tricky to come back from. Yeah, there's some other cheap guys we'll talk about at tight end position, um, and that's usually one that you want to punt. Let's go to this next game. My Falcons at home, which let me just say this. Home games this year are going to look a little different. Vegas usually spots the home team three points, two to two and a half, three points, uh, just to think about the lines. But the Falcons over the last three seasons are 12 and 12 at home. Like it's, it's not particularly intimidating. Great home I, field advantage. <laughs> I, I love our, our team. Uh, we, we got a new stadium recently. If, if you guys haven't seen Mercedes Benz, we have the hundred yard bar where it just goes the length of the in, entire field. But um, yeah, not really a home field advantage, not to hate on my Falcons. I love them, but um, Seahawks right now are one and a half point favorites. This guy, this game has a 49 point overall, over under and that's moved up so people are betting and saying that this game is going to hit the over uh seahawks have a pretty healthy 25 point team implied total so what is your initial read on this game i think the over is the right play honestly i mean both of these offenses in the passing game should be either high volume and very good in atlanta's case last season they were number one in the league in pass attempts then you look at the other side of the ball in the Seahawks and the, the narrative has always been, well, you know, let Russ cook, like let him just unleash Mr. Unlimited, let him go. And there's actually been talks <laughs> of that happening in training camp. Russ has come out and said it himself. He said, we need to play more like we play in the second half, which he just takes over games. And so he doesn't need to pa- pass the ball as much as Matt Ryan will in this game. But even if he has you know, 75% of the pass attempts, he's just so efficient. And the target share for both of these offenses being so streamlined to Julio and Calvin Ridley on the other side, DK and Tyler Lockett. I mean, I want to game stack this matchup in every single lineup, if possible. I mean, the the matchup is perfect for both sides. So yeah, man, I'm in love with all these guys, honestly. 
Yeah, and we'll get to some games that we're going to say are going to go under, but I think this is the game that I do want to attack, and I want to look at it on the sites differently. So we mentioned Matt Ryan's great play on DraftKings at 6,700. I love him in cash games. He's pretty safe. Uh, stacking him with Calvin Ridley, super cheap on DraftKings, only 6,100. That seems like a misprice. And then if you want to run it back with Chris Carson, I love his value at 6,200. Um, he had 90 yards and a touchdown against the Falcons last year. Uh, and he can catch the ball a little bit. So I, I I like doing that. If DK, if you want to do it that way on FanDuel, I'll do the exact opposite where I'll probably stack with Russell Wilson and then play Tyler Lockett. Um, and then I don't mind Hayden Hurst. If you want to just play him by himself on FanDuel at 5,200 Seattle allowed the third most fantasy points to tight ends last year. I just love that you can really pick a site and there's a way to attack this game. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm with you on that, too. And one other thing real quick, I, I mentioned this, I think it was on our last show or, or two shows ago. We were kind of looking at like one game that we were projecting forward to say, like, maybe we'll stack that game week one. And here we go. We're coming back to it. <laughs> the Seattle Atlanta game is uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf's price discrepancy on DraftKings. Sixty five hundred dollars for Tyler Lockett, just fifty eight for DK Metcalf. I would project more roster percentage to be on DK Metcalf because most casual DFS players, if they want this game, will say, okay, I'll take Russ. That sounds great. I just need one pass catcher. You know what? I'll take the cheaper guy. Give me DK. I think Tyler Lockett is just going to be undervalued in this game. I mean, last season, career highs in targets, receptions, and yards led the NFL in touchdowns from the slot. And have you seen him play with Russell Wilson? It's just so, so good. Uh, I want both these guys, honestly. I wouldn't be afraid to to go like double stack with DK and Lockett and then bring it back with a Julio if you can make it work with pricing or Calvin Ridley. But yeah, man, I mean, this game is just fantasy gold for us. For sure. What do you, what's your read on Gurley? I feel like he's kind of higher price, especially on FanDuel at 7,100. Um, is he going to get the passing work that we need in, in DFS to make him viable or is he kind of off your board? Yeah, man. I mean, I think he will. And, and let's be honest, like if you're excited about Todd Gurley this season, this is the week to play him. Uh, this game is extremely high over under. There's obviously durability concerns. So if you're a Todd Gurley believer and maybe you're like, man, I hope I can play him in DFS this year. It might not happen in week 12, right? If he's not able to stay on the field and the, the knee is a concern, he's fresh entering the season. Last year, Seattle gave up receptions to the running back position at a pretty high rate. And there's this one writer over for the fantasy footballers named Kyle who always points out that when there's vacated targets, <laughs> they don't go to the, the wide receiver. They go to the running back. Atlanta vacates a ton of targets, the most in the league. So, yeah, man, I mean, I'm with you. That Kyle guy, he might know his stuff about the uh, the targets going to the running back. You know, I, I, and somehow I've had people message me on Twitter asking me if I'm the vacated targets guy. Like one, it's a statistic. <laughs> so I just want to use it like any other statistic. And I just happened to stare at it for a while, but it gives us some picture of how they can use it. And I think Gurley has a higher floor. If we're just talking redraft, then a lot of people give him credit. I think he can catch the ball. They just didn't throw it to him last year uh, with the Rams. But yeah, I like his, he's more of a GPP play. I need to see it for a little bit. I think a lot of people want to make sure that Gurley's actually healthy. If, if, people kind of have that narrative against him but in this game yeah i'm taking seattle and i'm taking the points so all right this game bucks and saints in new orleans saints are three and a half point favorites the total is at 49 and a half so approaching 50 i think this is the game you have to get right this week it's the game that you have to take a stance and figure out 
how's it going to go? A lot of times Saints games kind of have this uh, persona that they go over, that they're shootouts every single time. The Saints were pretty fortunate last year. They were seven and one in one score games and they hit the under in half of their home games. So if you played the Saints last year in DFS and you figured, you know what, they're the Saints are at home, they're in the dome, it's Drew Brees, he's going to He's going to go for it. They, they hit the under in those games. So uh, the Bucks, you kind of have to throw out their last year's stats as the different team with Brady. And uh, they would hit the over in 12 of their games. So I, I just think that this is one that you have to think about it really clearly and not just go back to, hey, this is what happened in the past when Breeze used to put up 400 yards uh, or whatever. So what's your initial feel on this game? Yeah, the over-under is certainly appealing because when you look at the number, you're like, man, that number is approaching 50. And just real quick, like if anyone out there is into sports betting, like I would imagine most casual people throughout the week are going to put more money on the over. So I would, I can see the line going to like 50 or 50 and a half. So if you're someone that likes the under, maybe you wait a little bit. But I, I do like the under. I mean, I don't think people understand how good Jameis Winston was for fantasy and for overs last year <laughs> in contest. I mean, it was honestly perfect chucks it deep doesn't care if he throws an interception it just means more possessions for the bucks and it meant really good field position for the other team so yeah i'm going under in this game and honestly there's not a lot on the bucks side of the ball that i like in this matchup mike evans is dealing with a a hamstring injury he had one last year as well that sent him to ir so there's a real chance he misses this game the only one that I really like is honestly is Chris Goblin. And it's because I think we're going to see a lot of volume. He's a little bit expensive at 7,100 on DK, but he's going up against PJ Williams in the slot who gave up the second most touchdown receptions last year and the seventh most yards per snap from the slot. Those numbers per pro football focus. So I like him in this matchup, but you just have a running back core that's questionable and a good defense on the Saints. Yeah, man, I'm going under. And honestly, I don't really want anyone on the Bucks except for Chris Goblin. Dude, that's a hot stat, I got to say. And uh, I feel like these quarterbacks are going to have a lot of um, a lot of first-time players for DFS just rostering them because it's the big name, and this is supposedly the big game. I looked this up with Breeze. This is weird. Over the last 10 years, he's 3-7 and seven in week ones. I mean, that's, wow. that's pretty bad. Um, and Brady, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> and Brady, obviously, you know, the dude wins. But um, I have him listed in here as Tomothy Brady. I would love if that was his full full name. But Tomothy, um, if you want to stack him with Godwin, I get it on DraftKings. But he offers nothing on the ground. And you're hoping that this game hits the over. Kamara on the Saints side is a steal on DraftKings. He's the RB3, but only at 7200 So you're saving $2,700 from Christian McCaffrey. And I think he can actually have the same type of receiving uh, work. So I think his roster percentage is going to be a bit down because of what's been going on recently and contract situation is back. Anything you want to comfort the people with or maybe scare them away in terms of medical things with Alvin Kamara? No, I think there was a scare initially. And this is kind of the tough part, which is like general media covering the injuries is like they'll just kind of, you know, whatever their source says is what they'll put out. And so people heard the term epidural and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, like, do I should I just not draft him or like, what do I do? And then we found out later it was actually just to kind of treat a little bit of inflammation in his SI joint, which sits just below your low back. And to me, if that's the case, then 
I'm not really concerned about Alvin Kamara at all. I'm going to have him a lot in DFS. I've got him on some redraft teams. So I'm excited about him in this matchup. He went over 100 total yards from scrimmage in both their contests with the Bucks last year. So I'm firing him up. I agree. 7,200 on DraftKings to me is a value. You can play Michael Thomas. Okay. It's all, it's all right. We haven't really mentioned him, but he's always, always in consideration, especially for cash lineups on FanDuel. He's 8,800 and he really is worth every single dollar. I probably won't be playing Jared Cook. Uh, because I'm probably staying away from the quarterbacks. Taysom Hill is listed as a tight end on FanDuel. If you really wanted to get weird, if some maybe something happened to Breeze or anyway, I just thought that was such a funny <laughs> quirk in the scoring this week. And then here is one that I do like as a tournament play. The Saints on DraftKings are just 2,400. They're the 15th ranked defense. And if this game is going to go under, which I think both of us like, I don't mind them as a tournament play and you, you know, stack them with Kamara and I think you could actually get there. Brady, you know, isn't going to turn the ball over a ton, but I, I'm not crazy about this Bucks team traveling to the Superdome. It's just, it's not my favorite play. Anything else on this game? I think it's a great call. I mean, you look at quarterbacks in their first season with Bruce, uh, with uh, Bruce Arians. And we saw with Carson Palmer, he struggled quite a bit. Now, Tom Brady is arguably the best quarterback of all time. So is that going to happen with him? Maybe not. But it's at least worth mentioning that he could struggle in this matchup, a new system, and the Saints returning 10 of 11 starters on defense. I mean, there are definitely worse plays on the slate at defense. So I like that call quite a bit in GPPs. Uh, I got a couple questions about this earlier. Emmanuel Sanders interested at all? Not really. I mean, I feel like I need to see what his role is in this offense before I put some hard-earned cash on him in DFS. Um, just three touchdowns over his last 16 games. To me, there just isn't as much upside right now with Sanders, but we need to kind of wait and see what happens throughout the year. No, I think it's a wait and see. I think his name still means a lot to people, and he's great. I love him as an NFL, you know, just as a wide receiver. But For sure. I'm going to wait and see. All right, let's talk about your Eagles they travel to Washington to play the football team and they are six and a half point favorites, but they're coming in super banged up. I mean, their entire team, their offensive line, Miles Sanders. I mean, this team is barely going to make it. Do they have any wide receivers left? Uh, yes, they have one named Deshaun Jackson who will be rostered in 100% of DFS lineups this week. <laughs> Not really, but he is just so chalk. I mean, you look, you go on Twitter. I mean, he is just everywhere. So I was really excited to play him and I'll probably have him in some lineups, but he's just a guy who's going to be on a ton of rosters. And I feel like in GPPs, it, it, which usually is what he is, like he's that type of boom bust player that you like in those GPP lineups. But I don't know, man, I feel like I'm going to fade him a little bit just Maybe I'll pivot to like a Dallas Goddard or Zach Ertz obviously is, is pretty reliable or maybe get weird and go with J.J. Arthago Whiteside who will be on the field. But yeah, it's tough, man. I want to play him. It's a great matchup, but everyone else wants to too. <laughs> the roster percentages this week are going to be way off, honestly, because we're dealing with COVID. We're dealing with a lot of people that have been cooped up and have been wanting to play football for a very long time. So it's going to be hard. Yeah, he's going to be over 20% rostered. It, I mean, it could climb even higher because he's so cheap. On DraftKings, Deshaun Jackson's only 4900 FanDuel is 5700 We mentioned him last time as a cash game play, which may sound weird for Deshaun Jackson. He's kind of a boom-bust guy, but he plays against his former teammate, Ronald Darby. And as an Eagles fan, what can you tell me about Ronald Darby? 
It has been quite bad over the last several seasons there in Philly playing <laughs> as the starting corner. They, when they signed him, it was like this exciting news, like he's the cornerback one, like we locked it down. And then you just got burnt over and over and over again. I picked on him a lot last year. I write the wide receiver cornerback matchups for a DFS pass, and I picked on him a ton. I do like Carson Wentz. I think he's a safe play. I don't know about his tournament upside, but I, I, I like him as a cash game play if you want to pair him with Jackson. Tell me about Miles Sanders because a lot of people are talking about him and his price. He's only 6800 uh, And if he plays and he's the guy, you know, a lot of people want to put him in their cash lineups. But are you weary at all of rostering Miles Sanders? I'm not. Everything we've heard out of the Eagles camp so far in regards to his hamstring injury was that it's really mild and and really they were just trying to kind of protect him as much as possible entering week one. And they did that very well. No setbacks. Now we're three plus weeks out from the hamstring strain. And we know the greatest risk is in the first two weeks back on the field. So I think he's going to be okay in this matchup. I'm going to play him a ton. I think he's a cash game lock because the price specifically on DraftKings um, is really good. It's at 6,300, I believe. I'm, I'm saying that off the top of my head. I want to make sure, but uh, it's cheap, and I feel like he's underpriced, especially against Washington. I mean, come on. The, the defensive line, yes, they're good, but I don't think they can stop him out of the backfield in the passing game, which is really where we want to see him excel on DraftKings. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm all in on, on Miles Sanders in week one. Yeah, this Washington team only has a 19-point team implied total. It's really weak, but there is a player on the team that is going to be chalk. I would say he's going to be the highest rostered player of the week, and that's Antonio Gibson. And why is he going to be chalk, you ask? Well, he is the stone-cold minimum on DraftKings at 4000 because when they set the prices, nobody knew that Antonio Gibson would basically have the backfield to himself. On Fandle, he's just 4600 So he is deserving of that. You can put him in your flex if you're feeling good. I still do not feel comfortable in cash game lineups to play him. We just don't know. He's a rookie who only had 33 carries in college. So love him in redraft. We're going to be talking about him this year on this podcast, but he's going to be 25, 30% rostered uh, on a lot of tournaments because of how cheap he is and how you can kind of, as people say, jam in the rest of your lineups with all the rest of the studs that you want. But uh, yeah, he's nothing more than a GPP play for me. What about Dwayne Haskins, which... Maybe people are throwing up, and that's okay. You can stop your car. You laughed when um, you said his name. <laughs> How bad is that? <laughs> Dwayne, I love you. I love your family. And we're spending time talking about you here. I know you're I know you're a listener. I know you have the DFS pass. Obviously. But you are only you are only five thousand dollars on DraftKings this week, and that is enticing for me. At the end of the year, he definitely picked it up. He had some usable games, but if you want to stack him with your boy Terry McLaurin, it's not a bad idea. What do you think? I like it. I think people are going to play Terry McLaurin. Obviously, they should. He is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, not really. I just like him quite a bit. He's my, my guy this year uh, on the site. But no, I, I think he's going to be very heavily rostered talking about Terry McLaurin, and he's a great play. We talked about the Eagles. They struggle in the secondary year after year after year. He went up against Darius Slay, their, their number one corner last year, and burn him. Just put up numbers. He was great. So I'm not concerned about the matchup at all. But I think one way you can get even more kind of leverage across tournaments 
if you want to play McLaurin, is to put him with Dwayne Haskins because not a lot of people want to do that, right? They don't want to scroll all the way down to 5,000 on DraftKings, which is cheaper than some backup quarterbacks this week. It's crazy. Um, so that's one way that you can kind of get away with McLaurin in your lineup and not feel too concerned about being heavily rostered. So yes, I will play a couple of Haskins and McLaurin stacks. And also, just kind of talking about you know the, the Vegas lines, six and a half for the Eagles is just to me is too much. I mean... I think the the Washington football team is going to keep it pretty close. And if they're doing that, you would expect Haskins and company to put up some points. So, yeah, I'll play Haskins this week. Yeah, this is we might we might differ a little bit. I I see this game just being just slow, (laughs) not fun. Last year, Washington was bottom of the league in terms of pace of play. Uh, It's just hard for me to get really excited about Washington. I can see how this game can be stacked. I do love Ertz on FanDuel. He's the top tight end in terms of points per dollar, uh, according to our footballers projections. I see this game being the under and call me crazy. I might even play the Washington defense on DK with the stone cold minimum at just 2000, save a ton of cash. I don't mind it. So any last thoughts on the over under? Uh, I like the over and the only reason for me is just kind of looking at like what they did last year. You mentioned they were slow and they were. They also had an interim head coach come out and literally tell the media the way you win (laughs) football games is by having the most rushing attempts, which is just ludicrous. (laughs) It's incorrect. And now they're bringing in uh, a new offensive coordinator who is going to be more up tempo, throws more on first down. So I like the over for that reason. But um, I I agree with you, though, on Washington's defense. I mean, if you want to play McCaffrey at 10K or you want to have a Michael Thomas in your lineup, you need to you need to spin down elsewhere. And this is a great way to do it. Obviously, the line for the Eagles is banged up and the defensive line for Washington is actually very, very, very good. I mean, they're nasty across the, the defensive line there. So I like that call quite a bit. That I mean, with defense, here's the thing. If you're playing in a tournament, you need to understand that you cannot lock in a defense, you know, as this is my only defense. So I mentioned earlier, I'm playing on FanDuel and I'm doing 150 lineups on the one that's only cost me a nickel uh, just because I like being able to do maxing out one tournament. And with that 150 lineups, I'll probably have four or five defenses that I just kind of put in my pool and just kind of cycle through. You can't just do one or two. Reality is you can't predict defensive touchdowns. You just hope for the sacks, hope for the sack recoveries, the pick sixes. That's what you want. So last game. All right. And this one I'm excited about. It's in the afternoon. It is the San Francisco 49ers. They host the Cardinals. The 49ers are seven point favorites in this game, carries a 47 point total. How do you feel about these two teams, which last year they actually played each other pretty closely? San Francisco won both games, but in week nine, it was 28 25, and in week 11, it was 36 26. Are these teams closer than maybe a lot of people realize? Well, I think to, to answer that question, it kind of depends on like how you're looking at the game, right? Because one of those games, I can't remember if it was week nine or week 11, but one of them only got that close because Arizona was just playing catch up in the second half and it worked. And so they kind of made it closer than it actually was. But this season specifically, I do think that they're going to be pretty close. I think seven points for San Francisco is just too much, especially when you consider just how insanely good they were on defense last year. I mean, they do have a ton of good players coming back, obviously, but there's some concern, right? They they lost DeForest Buckner, traded him to the, the Colts. They lost their cornerbacks coach this year. I mean, there's legitimate like 
rationale to say the Niners defense might not be that good this year. And Kyler entering year two, obviously taking a step forward with, oh, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, yeah, there's there's reason to believe that this game is going to be pretty close and actually have some pretty good shootout appeal, in my opinion. Yeah, that defense definitely was awesome, and yet it overperformed. They only allowed, you know, 190 passing yards a game, which was a historic season for them. And I just can't see them, you know, being in those same game scripts, being the same position as they were last year. Uh, in terms of plays on this slate, I do like DeAndre Hopkins only on DraftKings. He's kind of underpriced at 6,800, and you know him changing teams, you know, there's all these narratives. The dude just got paid and he's an elite wide receiver. And I looked at the stat in weeks ones in his career. So every single week one so far in DeAndre Hopkins career in seven years, this is what he's averaged. 10 targets, six and a half catches, almost 80 yards and a touchdown per game. That'll get it done in fantasy. That'll get it done in DFS. And especially at that price tag, um, I think people have this weird taste in their mouth with Hopkins. They look at the best options like Michael Thomas. They look at Devonte Adams, who we'll talk about in a little bit. And then they look at Julio and then Hopkins is a, a little bit further down. And so it might be easy for people to scroll past him. But if you're going to stack this game with Kyler Murray, then Hopkins is the route to go. And then you run it back on the other side with maybe one of the running backs or Kittle. Yeah, I like that actually quite a bit too. I mean, you look at, just like what the offense is going to be in Arizona and they do spread it out quite a bit but honestly man I mean Richard Sherman is another year older he doesn't move across the field so they can scheme up DeAndre Hopkins to play in the slot left side uh, right side wherever and even if it's not with uh, Richard Sherman I mean I think he can he can win right he's one of the best wide receivers in the league just got paid they're going to use him I like it a lot and if you're going to game stack here I agree I mean Jimmy G to George Kittle is a smash stack this week. So if you want to go on the other side of the ball and bring it back with DeAndre Hopkins, I love that. Yeah, you can also do Kenyon Drake. I don't mind that one as well. I feel like I'm going to be playing this game on DraftKings. I looked at the prices and on FanDuel, I wasn't crazy about them. Kittle is worth his price. I know a lot of times you look at tight ends, you're like, do I really want to spend $7,200? Remember, this Arizona team was destroyed by Titans last year. He's a cash game play if you just want that high floor, if you want to lock that in. Um, I I like that. In terms of the line for the game, uh, I feel like I'm in the same position where that seven points really is a lot. Uh, So yeah, give give me Arizona and the points too. I'm with you. All right, so... Since we're together now, let's let's do DFS Battle Royale. So we're in the arena and the only weapons that we're bringing with us is our intellect, our good looks. Um, You've brought one eye with you today. (laughs) Um, The good looks are not here today. (laughs) I'm wearing my um, big shimmy shirt uh, that that uh, just came out with for Jason. So. We're looking cool, man. We're, we're doing all right. <laughs> a couple of winners. The Battle Royale is a contest just between Borg and Betts, and we're going to have some hosts, some guests on with us that are going to play with us throughout the season. But we're going to pick a couple of categories for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and then a wild card uh, pick. And each week you're going to kind of get to hear us compare 
in these positions. It's, it's a really fun game for us to play. We'll compare our records. Um, and then uh, we'll hopefully get to hear from you guys. What are some suggestions of categories we should use for the battle royale? So for this first one, give me a quarterback that you like under 6K. And these are all on DraftKings. I will take the quarterback who ranked last year third in yards per attempt, seventh in touchdown rate, and eighth in passer rating. We just talked about it. Mr. Jimmy G, the handsome one, uh, as Mike says, I'm taking Jimmy in this matchup. Going up against the Cardinals, their defense is obviously not great. Uh, 28th in terms of points per game allowed last year on Arizona's defensive side of the ball. I think this game is going to go over, and I like that Jimmy G position here. He's a great GPP play, but at sub 6K, uh, to me, he's a great play on DraftKings. And if your league gets points for looks, he is going to be on roster this week. So you're going with Jimmy G. I'm going to go with Teddy B. Uh, he's at 5,900 on DraftKings. Mentioned that Panthers game earlier. I just like the tempo. I like the fact that uh, most people are not really excited about the Panthers in general. And uh, I am. I think that they'll do well. So um, if the Panthers do terrible this first week, just you can cry with me in a corner. I'm totally fine with that, people. I'm really open about my emotions when it comes to fantasy. So Teddy B., that's who I like. Let's do a running back here. And for this category, a running back below running back 15 salary. So you can't take one of the studs. Who's a running back you like? Yeah, this was tough. It kind of made me realize that I don't love a lot of those options when I was choosing my player here because you have to go a little bit further down. But I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor, who and when you look at our running backs, it's going to be hilarious because they're literally like the biggest running back and the smallest running back next to each other. But I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor here. There's question marks about his workload and, and how much he'll be on the field in week one as a rookie, but he's playing the Jaguars and the Colts have a top five offensive line, especially in run blocking. Even Marlon Mack, he could, he can get 17 touches and, and Jonathan Taylor could have 12 to 15 and still rip off like an 80 yard touchdown run against this defense. So yeah, man, I, I like it quite a bit as a GPP play. I think he's going to be a little undervalued there. But uh, I wouldn't ideally play him in cash, but obviously we're setting the parameters here where you have to go down a bit. So give me Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Tariq Cohen is kind of like uh, Jonathan Taylor's like friend on the uh, the schoolyard that they play like kickball with together. But like, even though they're in the same grade, like, n- no, they're, they're nowhere close <laughs> to each other. But... There is one trait that Tariq Cohen is great at, and that's catching the ball out of the backfield. He's only 4,900, so on DraftKings, uh, I love him. If you want to put him in as your flex, you've got you've got two stud running backs, and then you're like, you know what? I'm going to game stack that game with maybe Stafford and Galladay or Stafford and Marvin Jones, and then run it back with Tariq Cohen. The Lions last year gave up the third most running back receiving yards and tied for the most running back receiving touchdowns allowed. So Tariq Cohen is the running back I like below running back 15 on DK. And here's a fun one. Let's just pick wide receivers in the top five of salaries. And let's just exclude Michael Thomas because he's just not real. He's not, he's not fair. So who's one of those top five wide receivers that you like? Yeah, give me Julio Touchdown Jones. I'm calling it on the pod, Kyle. He finds the end zone this week. We talked about the game. I mean, it's just perfect environment for the Seahawks and the Falcons to smash. Yeah, Julio is a great play this week. On the Footballers Show, Doc, I added that in every single week. I had a chance to add in touchdown until he scored a touchdown, and then they acknowledged it. Um, I was just hoping and praying for my guy. Julio, I just need to say it. Favorite NFL player of all time. 
Love so Julio good, Jones. man. So good. Uh, I'm going to go with Devontae Adams. He's only 7,300 on DK. He's the only guy in town when it comes to Green Bay. They're playing at Minnesota. Uh, they've turned over a lot of their defense, and I think they're going to need to lean on him. I I wrote it up in the Pace of Play article, but um, I can see the Vikings controlling the clock with Dalvin Cook, and when they're ahead, they love to play slow. Um, the Packers actually play pretty slow as well, but I think Adams is going to hit a 30% plus target share this year. And I think he's a really easy play. I love him in cash game lineups. I think he's super safe this week on DraftKings. Let's go to the tight ends. Who's a tight end under 4k that you like on DraftKings? Yeah, this is to me, there's only two options and we, we picked both of them. (laughs) Chris Herndon coming in at $3,300 on DraftKings. Very, very cheap. A great play if you want to get guys like Michael Thomas, Julio, Christian McCaffrey, etc. But I'm actually kind of excited about him. And Chris Herndon is a guy who I feel like has just lived off hype for the last two years. I mean, he missed all of last year with injury. But we're looking at a defense who he's playing the Bills. They're a really good defense, but they play zone and kind of just sit back and just control everything underneath. So for me, Chris Herndon at $3,300, he's going to get eight, nine targets from Sam Darnold. I mean, who else is catching the football? You have Jameson Crowder, obviously, the PPR machine, but then Rashad Perryman's been dealing with swelling in his knee all camp. Denzel Mims literally had like three training camp practices because of a hamstring injury. They're going to have to throw and someone's got to catch the football. So I'll take Chris Herndon. He's just dirt cheap at 3300 bucks. I like that pick. I'm going to go with a guy in honor of Billy Madison, in honor of Nib High Football. I'm going to go with O'Doyle Rules. I'm going to go with our boy Jack Doyle. It's funny, whenever I think of Jack Doyle, I think of an article I wrote maybe three or four years ago where I I stupidly watched every single target (laughs) from Jack Doyle's (laughs) year just to see like, I I did a series called What's on Tape and I decided, is he good? Is he actually good? (laughs) So I went through the painful process of watching Jack Doyle. That had to be so uninspiring. (laughs) Let's just say I was committed to the process, right? The process, the process, the process. And I watched, you know, whatever it was, 80, 90 targets. And after about 20, I go, this dude is reliable and I'll give it to him. He's safe. Philip Rivers will love him this year, but he can run five yards turnout or, and that's about it. He's a curl route guy. He's not going to go downfield. Um, he's reliable, but at 3,600 on DraftKings and Trey Burton's hurt. Give me some, uh, give me some Jack Doyle. Why not? Let's do a wild card. Wild card. One more player under 4K that we didn't mention. So 4K is super low this year on DraftKings. Right now, you can't get a running back below 4K. So we really got to reach the bottom of the barrel. Give me somebody under 4K that you're okay with. Yeah, how about a little Paris Campbell? A guy who is going to play in the slot a ton for the Colts. And what that really means to me is Philip Rivers checking down into the slot receiver a ton. We saw that throughout his career with Keenan Allen. Obviously, I'm not comparing Paris Campbell to Keenan Allen, but their role he in the offense. Keenan Allen. He is as good as Keenan Allen. You heard it here on the show. Uh, no, but just the, the opportunity there is massive. I mean, we talked about it. The defense for Jacksonville, certainly not good. Uh, there should be some volume for Paris Campbell. He's a really sneaky play. I like him quite a bit for like GPP lineups. Um, if you want to try to save salary and go down at wide receiver, he's a great way to do it. Again, I, I think people are just sleeping on him. He didn't do anything last year. Uh, missing time with a ton of injuries that weren't really correlated. So I'm pretty confident in his health this year. Paris Campbell, 3900 bucks on DraftKings. He's my wild card. My wild card is, uh, is a postman, a friendly neighborhood d- 
postman that delivers on time. It's Dan Arnold of the Arizona Cardinals. If you don't know who Dan Arnold is, that's okay. He hasn't done much in the NFL. Uh, he is, he does have some pretty crazy athletic measurables. If you want to ch- kind of check those out, he's kind of got some Mike Gesicki into his game in terms of like, he's really lean, kind of tall, fast, but, um, production wise doesn't really block very well. Um, but I like Dan Arnold for the Cardinals, 3,500 on DraftKings. And I mostly like him because I played him in a lineup uh, a couple years ago for the Saints and he paid off. So um, he's forever in my heart. Love me some Dan Arnold. I remember that uh, game, actually. <laughs> <laughs> great guy. What a, what a guy. What a nice, friendly postman. Let's get in the mailbag. Mailbag. Each week, we're going to ask for you guys' questions on this podcast leading into uh, the main slate and us talking about the weekend. If you want to send those questions in, you can send them in to me at Kyle underscore Borg or at the Fantasy PT for bets on Twitter. Uh, we also post those from the main uh, footballers account. I will say, if you're listening to this podcast and you're this far in and you're alive, you probably know this is a DFS podcast, but you, it would surprise you, or maybe it wouldn't, that if you ask people for DFS questions, sometimes they tell you, should I start this guy or this guy? Should I, <laughs> <laughs> who should I start in the flex? Uh, yep. There's a lot of those a, replies today. <laughs> there's a lot of those. Um, all right. This first one's from Rex Andrews. He asks, what's an under the radar stack that could pay off this week? All right, Rex, stay with me, my friend. How do you feel about Mitch Trubisky stacking with <laughs> Tariq Cohen, stacking with Allen Robinson in week one? Yes, it is disgusting, but Mitch Trubisky has something to prove. He's coming out here at 5400 bucks on DraftKings. I like that quite a bit. I'm projecting like 2 to 5% roster percentage for, for Mitch, so he'll be really undervalued there, under-owned. 75% completion percentage. 866 yards, nine touchdowns, and only one interception against the Lions when Matt Patricia has been the head coach. He lights them up every time he plays. I don't know why, but he will. And then you stack him with Allen Robinson. Obviously, we know how good he is. And then Tariq Cohen, you just talked about it with the the receptions there out of the backfield. I mean, David Montgomery, there's been rumors that he might start this game. I... I mean, coming off the groin injury, no, 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 do not play him. I'm super concerned about his health. And then you get Tariq Cohen, who he might be on the field way more than we think. So it's kind of gross, but no one's going to have that stack. And we expect Matthew Stafford, Kenny G, and Marvin Jones to put up points on the other side of the ball. So yeah, man, give me some uh, give me some Mitch Trubisky in week one. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> we had someone send in the question. I'll just lump this in here. <laughs> Brandon Henderson on Twitter, he said, if I win a large tournament with Trubisky at quarterback, am I still allowed to keep the winnings? Yes, and post your lineup on Twitter so we can congratulate you because that is going to be a fantastic winning for you if that happens. Uh, Tyrod Taylor and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler make an interesting stack. I don't really know what to do with the Bengals right now. Uh, I do like Joe Burrow, but that game could be interesting and I feel like that's one that a lot of people aren't really talking about that game and wanting to figure out what to do. It's just, uh, we think of Tyrod Taylor as just like, wow, the passing volume is just going to be way down. They're only going to have 25 attempts. It's not really going to pay off, but we know where the targets are going to go. They're going to go to Keenan Allen and they're going to go to Austin Eckler. And if Mike Williams is out, then I like them even more, um, but mostly on DraftKings where they get the full point. Austin Reason 
at Austin Jake 80. He says, what's your thoughts on the Baltimore and Cleveland game, which we didn't get to talk about earlier. Is Cleveland stacks a bad idea? I don't love it. I mean, I'm just the Ravens are going to smash. I mean, I love Raven stacks this week. Obviously, Lamar is great. We like Marquise Brown. Mark Andrews, I think, has the best tight end matchup on the entire slate. But on the other side of the ball, I'm just not sure they're going to be able to keep up. I mean, there's question marks about, you know, it's a new new offense. How much is new offensive scheme? I should say, how much is Kareem Hunt going to eat into Nick Chubb's workload and vice versa? And what is Odell Beckham going to be this year? Is he going to bounce back? So to me, I'm kind of staying away from Browns. I'm not sure about you. I feel like they'll probably be relatively under rostered in in bigger tournaments so if you want to get contrarian i don't hate it but i'm not like i'm not building around them uh, in my lineup so to speak yeah i need to i need to wait and see with baker and odell uh it's just not where i want to go week one there's so many other quarterbacks this is the thing if you if you really want to get you know sneaky with a quarterback I'm all for it. I love the cheap guys. I don't mind Trubisky, but you can't just say this is the stack that I'm going to stay with this week. There's so many quarterbacks that you can um, roster, especially on Fanduel. They're just all clumped together. So you know, if you want somebody else, there may only be a hundred dollars more. Let's not forget though, this game last year was Week Four. The Browns won at Baltimore, forty to twenty-five, and Nick Chubb went wild. He ran for 165 and three touchdowns. So this game could be different, but realize this. I wrote this up in the pace of play article, but Baltimore's pace of play statistics, like their, you know, their seconds per play is so hard to decipher because they, they moved so fast when they scored, they would score in five or six plays sometimes. And that would really throw off a lot of, you know, their overall plays. Uh, shout out to Sam Hoppen of number fire. He had this awesome statistic. He said that the Ravens had the most clock moving plays, meaning rush attempts plus completions uh, with 885 last year. So like they, their clock moves pretty fast. And so I could just see this game just being, you know, it's hard for me to say it's going to hit the over, but I could just see this game being a slog fest, you know, AFC North rivals, I'm just not trying to stack this game too much. We haven't really talked about Lamar Jackson. Are you okay playing him this week, even though he's the highest priced quarterback on the main slate? Yeah, I mean, the the week one pricing, I think there's some undervalued guys at the top. We talked about it with CMC, Michael Thomas. Lamar, I think as well, is undervalued or underpriced. He was well above what he is, at least on DraftKings, I know. He was 9,100. Uh, this, this week, he's 9,100. He was well above that last year multiple times. So... I mean, obviously, we know what he can do. And yes, I think he's a great... If you want to try to build around him in cash, he's a great play. All right, we've got a couple more here. James at Real Hambone 99. Nice handle, dude. I'm kind of mad I didn't snag that one for myself. It's, I like that. It's good. It's a good handle. He's asking about Antonio Gibson. We got a couple about Antonio Gibson. and I'm, He's the most talked about player. I looked at our start sits tool on the website. He is by far... the player people are talking about the most um people are asking is it antonio gibson or Le'Veon bell we talked about that on the show today um but what do you think about cash his question is is antonio gibson too thin for cash and i think what he's asking is is that too big of a stretch where you're trusting someone to just hit their medium projection not just go through the roof to me he is i think if you're going to spend down at running back Typically, it's because we have an injury to someone 
on the depth chart ahead of them. And we know for sure the guy that's priced at four, 4,000 or 4,500 is coming in to get 20 touches. And it's just kind of, you know, you'll hear us say like that free square, basically like you should definitely play him in cash because it just frees up your roster to do so much more. But in week one, we don't know what he's going to be. You talked about just like, what is his role in this offense? We don't really know. The other thing is, if you're going to beat the Eagles, it's usually through the air. It's not on the ground. So, yeah, for me, he's just way too thin. And I was kind of excited about him, honestly. But then everyone started talking about him. And so I I probably won't have a lot of him um, this week, especially in cash. Yeah, I, I won't in cash. I just I want three running backs that have very secure workloads. Um, so, you know, my, my favorite combination in just terms of like who I like, I love Dalvin cook, love Josh Jacobs. I think those are really, really safe CMC. It's really hard to fit those three in together, uh, in terms of a, a little bit of cheaper option. Um, you know, Gurley is someone who right now I consider to be someone that I like. He's 6,100 on DraftKings. Um, I don't mind that, but those are the kind of players. Aaron Jones is interesting. I've been, um, I, I kind of have this thing against Aaron Jones where I've just never had him on any of my teams before in redraft or dynasty. And so I haven't really rostered him very much, but I'm starting to come around this week as like, okay, if that game's going to go, you know, back and forth, I think he's a good play. But for me, I'd rather spend and get those three stud running backs, lock them in. And Gibson's great for tournaments. Um, totally go for it jump in. This is Antonio Gibson week. I don't know if we'll have a week like this again next week. I mean, on DraftKings, his price is going to be in the five thousands easily. Um, At least it's going to, it's going to go up a lot. So, all right. Last question here. This is from Michael Malria. He said, how many players from one team do you consider a reasonable stack? So um, he's asking quarterback and how many pass catchers and do you add someone from the other team hoping for a shootout? So He's kind of asking about how do we stack, how do we game stack or run it back? Um, What do you consider that to be? Yeah, stacking is a great way to be successful in DFS. If you pick the right game and then you you kind of narrow in on a couple guys that you like, we talked about it with the Seahawks and the Falcons. Stacking is is actually very recommended and has been shown to be very successful in um, helping you separate yourself from, you know, especially in a tournament, like you have to be able to go well above other people and to kind of exponentially outpace everyone else in the contest. So stacking is is great. Definitely recommend it. And for me, I I tend to keep it to one player, like a a quarterback and a wide receiver or tight end, if it's like an elite tight end, Um, unless it's a really big field tournament. And I just think that that team is going to come out and just go bananas that week. So for me, it's either one pass catcher or two. And then yes, definitely bring it back with at least one pass catcher on the other side of the ball. Like we talked about, if you want to go lock it, Russ and Julio or, you know, Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and then DK Metcalf, something like that um, would be a great configuration for week one. Yeah, you have to, I mean, you have to stack with at least one player. Uh, and I think that's not, it's not a bad thing. The double stack is, is something that I think you can work in, in tournaments of saying, you know what, I'm going to take Matt Ryan and I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst. Uh, if you don't want to spend up at Julio, I think that's a, that's a great way to look at the game. And then on the other side, you need to have at least one player that you run it back with. Uh, if it's Chris Carson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, at least one others, um, the full kind of stack I'm I've looked at my data and I looked at the Millie maker lineups last year. I didn't find that to be very successful. Uh, there was only two lineups last year, winning lineups 
where the quarterback was matched up with someone and there's two other players on the other side. Um, I think you try to get too cute when you do that. Now there will be games this year where people just say, you know what, I'm picking six players uh, in this game. And that's super contrarian because you're basically saying this game is back and forth. There was a game a couple of years ago, and I think it was Deshaun Watson's rookie year where Texans and Seahawks played each other. And that game was in Seattle and Watson had been going off and everyone was like, there's no way that Watson is going to be able to, you know, he's a rookie go into Seattle and that game went off. You know, everybody scored in that game that you wanted everyone in that. And the guy who won the Millie maker was the dude who rostered like six or seven players in that game, but that's the rarity. So for me, give me the quarterback and a pass catcher and then at least one other player on the other side as the bare minimum. You have to do that in tournaments no matter what. There are a couple quarterbacks that you can play, what a lot of people call playing them naked, which um, doesn't mean that they are physically naked. It doesn't mean that you're doing your lineup <laughs> physically naked. If Or you are. You we know. don't we don't judge. Like you, do your thing. <laughs> you know what? Don't don't you know, don't tell us on Twitter, you know, hey, I'm making my DFS lineups. Love the podcast. By the way, I'm not wearing any clothes. <laughs> don't don't tell us that. But playing a quarterback naked just means that you're not they're not attached to anybody else on their team. The only time you want to do that, the only time is if you have a quarterback who can get it done on the ground. So if it's Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen, Cam Newton used to be able to do this. You could do it with Russell Wilson. He doesn't run as much anymore. Uh I guess Gardner <laughs> kind of did it a couple of games last year, but yeah, that's the only time that you want to uh, get naked. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a perfect place to close out the show. Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, man, two things I never thought I'd say on a podcast, uh, welcoming in a pirate. And um, if you want to get naked, <laughs> there you go. Um, hopefully my mother-in-law or my mom doesn't listen to this. All right. Um, if you haven't, played on underdog. I just want to recommend right before the season starts, this is the time to get in on best ball. I just finished a best ball earlier today. You can sign up today at underdogfantasy.com or you can search for underdog fantasy in your app store. Best balls are super fun and they just launched on Wednesday. Uh, they're weekly games, they're daily games that you can play. So underdog isn't just for best ball. It's also for a chance every single week you can play in the DFS style. We're actually going to throughout the season have a couple of underdog segments where you and I will go toe to toe uh, with underdog so it's gonna be it's gonna be cool so looking forward to it yeah yeah I hope that week one is successful for you guys it's gonna be fun football good luck on week one thank you for listening to another edition of the fantasy footballers DFS podcast don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.